There's a never-ending debate about why Florida is the place we continually uncover wild and wicked crimes. We can be confident it's a mix of all theories. Greater access to public records, a very diverse demographic, that weather, and the swampy, secluded landscapes primed for criminal activity. So of course we're headed back to the Sunshine State for part two of Florida Man Crimes. Brace yourself for some craziness that you'll 100% find unbelievable. This week, I have the number one crime on the countdown, and it not only has the shock value and madness of Florida, but sadly, a heartbreaking and frustrating ending. you weirdos welcome to crime countdown a spotify original from parkcast i'm ash and i'm elena every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes all picked by the parkcast research gods this episode we're counting down the top 10 florida man crimes again there's just something about florida there's sun there's fun and there is chaotic energy (laughs) (laughs) you definitely have that right i feel like one of the contributing factors to like all the chaos of florida is that it's one of the biggest vacation spots around Mm -hmm. here and i feel like we all know that people love to get buck wild on vacation Uh, you know i'm looking at this like i'm just peeking through the list here and (laughs) i gotta ask before we move any further with this what kind of vacations have you been on? Buck Wild ones, obviously. Apparently. <laughs> no, I've actually never been on a Buck Wild <laughs> vacation. That's a lie. But I, and you know, Florida is a place where like a lot of young people go to party. Party. That's like all I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, that's true. I get that. And as someone who absolutely like loathes the sun and heat of any kind, like the sun comes out and I'm like, ah, like a vampire immediately. I can attest. I'm fully going to blame that as well. Like I think the sun and heat heat makes people cuckoo cuckoo that is definitely for sure please remember by the way that this is our second dive into <laughs> sure florida manses and i feel like that says a lot it really does it truly does and like i said before i have the number one spot and let me tell you it's gonna have you rethinking your next trip for sure well elena has five wild in florida men and so do i but neither <laughs> of us knows whose list is gonna get the wildest let's start the countdown I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth a new true crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished. In 2016, adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available now. Listen for free on Spotify.
It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, William Joe Johnson. In the fall of 2017, 26-year-old William needed some money. So he decided that he was going to rob a bank. Yeah. As one does. Of course. But after pulling off the robbery and then getting caught, he made an admission to police that not only sealed his fate under the law, but secured his place on this fine countdown. Ooh. So according to the FBI, in Florida alone, there were 199 bank robberies in 2017. Which begs the question, how many of those were successful? Are you okay down there? Is everyone <laughs> all right? What's going on? Like, does anyone even get, a, get away with robbing a bank these days? It's it, that, it, for me, it always seems like a really old timey thing to do. Like, put the money in the bag. And they're all wearing like suits and they're, they're smoking on cigars while they're doing it, you know? Well, maybe that's what William <laughs> Joe Johnson did because maybe. one of those 199 Florida attempts was William Joe Johnson. Look at him. Look at him. It started when he walked himself into the credit union in Largo, Florida. He approached the bank teller and he said he had a gun, which he did not. And then he demanded cash. He took his money and he got away. Successful bank robbery. Or is it? Uh Uh-oh. Because the police started to investigate that and tried to ID their criminal. While that was happening, William was spending all his money, which was an undisclosed amount. And he was spending it on utilities and rent, really being responsible. Whoa. Um, But also drugs. Oh, okay. So not, not so responsible. Police soon confirmed that William was their man. They tracked him down at a hotel and they arrested him. William used some classic basic bank robbery moves, so you gotta wonder where he learned them from. Like, was was he watching that movie where the cheerleaders get together? Sugar and Spice. Or in Everything Nice. I need to know if (laughs) he sat down and watched that. I think that was his blueprint, it seems. I think so. In his interview with deputies, he did admit that he just Googled how to do it. Yeah, then he watched that movie for sure. He also literally just searched the phrase, how to rob a bank. You're going to get the best results that way, I suppose. I mean, keep it simple, stupid, I suppose. Straightforward question. (laughs) He also admitted that he originally planned to rob the Wells Fargo Bank instead. But when he saw that the teller at the bank was a large man, he changed his mind. Man, it pays to be a large man. It does indeed. (laughs) William was obviously booked into the Pinellas County Jail and charged with one count of robbery. You were uh, so close, William. (laughs) So close, but so, so far. Nine. At number nine is Miami's pride and joy of wire fraud, Danielle Miller. Danielle orchestrated a pretty elaborate scheme to defraud the federal government of hundreds of thousands of dollars. While she didn't get everything she attempted to get, she got plenty that helped pay for expensive trips and hotel stays. But one thing tripped her up, Instagram. Watch out for the gram. It's always the gram. Gram gon' getcha. Now, Danielle was not messing around with her crime. While she personally was from Florida, she was able to access a Massachusetts resident's online registry of motor vehicles account. 
what how which as like up in massachusetts right now i'm like what yeah i feel like personally me? offended it wasn't it wasn't me but i feel personally offended by it. how did she do it though I, I said that it's it's really not clear unfortunately but it's now florida versus massachusetts and I don't know, maybe we're biased, but like we win. Yeah, my money is 100% on Massachusetts. We win, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. After accessing the RMV account, Danielle then used that person's information to open a bank account. Once she had the bank account, she then applied for a federally funded economic injury disaster loan through the Small Business Administration. That sounds like it would honestly take a lot of work. This is a lot of work. You have to provide very, a lot of information to get a loan. Very intricate. Yes. It's just a lot of moves. I don't. Is it worth it? I don't think so. This is the loan program, by the way, that helped small businesses during the pandemic. Oh, okay. In August 2020, more than $102,000 was deposited into Danielle's new fake account. So, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Then Danielle starts living the high life. She uses the money to book a private flight from Florida to California. Girl was booking a PJ. <laughs> I don't think that would be what I would do right away, especially if you're like stealing the money. Yeah. Maybe don't just like jump on a PJ right away. I mean, good idea to lay low, but like how many opportunities are you gonna get to go on a PJ? I don't know if you guys can tell, but our personalities are on, <laughs> are on display, like full display right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. But either way, she did it. And you know how she was able to do this? She was able to do it because she made a fake ID with the information that she stole. Ah, crafty. I don't know where she has access to this kind of equipment to pull this off either, but like, wow, commitment. Well, she lives in Florida, so she probably She's figuring has it out. Connects. She's figuring it out. And she ends up staying in luxury hotels in California. But what did we learn from our busted by social media episode? If you got it, you want to flaunt it. So Danielle, of course, posted pics of her luxury hotel trips on the gram for her more than 34,000 followers. Yeah, that's where she went wrong. That and the PJ, I'll give it to you. And you know what? Hello, Geotag. The Department of Justice thanks you because it helped literally map her moves. Also, turns out she had used the same IP address for absolutely everything. Uh, see, girl, no, come yeah. on. Authorities had breadcrumbs for days now to use against her. The grand finale of the story? She had also accessed other RMV accounts and applied for more than $900,000 in small business loans under those various identities. I love that she didn't go for the full mill. No, she went right under Just it. like stopped right there. She was like self-control. She was like, you know what? Fly under the radar, Danielle. In your PJ. Let's be very subtle here. <laughs> Come on. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of Florida Man Crimes Part 2 is the unnamed naked bongo player. Who needs a name? This is my favorite one. <laughs> this is a two-for-one crime special that takes place at the Chataway Restaurant in St. Petersburg. What started out as an investigation into a break-in revealed a very Florida, very strange, oddly polite second break-in <laughs> and it is quite the ride i'm ready to take it all right on november 6 2018 there was a break-in at the chataway restaurant 
a St. Petersburg police officer is investigating and begins by reviewing the surveillance video. You know, off to a normal start. Of course. In the video, he sees the burglar in question who broke in, ate some chicken wings, and drank a beer inside the restaurant's kitchen. I love that he ate chicken wings. It's just a very chill break-in. Yeah. But then something else pops up on the video from the night before. A man on a bike is seen circling around the restaurant before breaking in through a back gate. We got a second break-in, baby. What are the odds? He then breaks into the restaurant's storage shed and removes everything in there, but doesn't steal any of it. That's just rude. Just moving it all around. <laughs> That's just real rude. This is followed by the man going into the bathroom fully clothed, but exiting completely naked. I'm glad he didn't do it in front of the cameras. We don't want to see him undress in front of the cameras. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Then he sits down at a picnic table and enjoys the instant ramen that he brought himself oh, and then proceeds to play his bongos that he brought. It, dinner and a show. He brought his own food and his own entertainment. Yes, he did. I love it. One server told the Tampa Bay Times, he came in with his pants on, but he rode off on the bike without pants. I'm not sure if he took his pants with him, but we didn't find them. We still don't know where his pants are. That is The fact that they are so focused on his pants, where they were, <laughs> when they were taken off, what happened to them. Because really, where did they go? He, are they dry clean only? We have to know about the pants. It's like, that's all you are concerned about here. It's the brotherhood of the robbery pants. <laughs> like not. The sisterhood of the traveling pants has nothing on this. It doesn't. These pants are different. They well, are traveling, though. They are. Well, police do know who the man is, but they didn't name him. He's homeless, but also very polite. Aww. And it's reported that workers didn't even realize he'd been there until hours after they were at work because he really didn't do a lot. I'm a little confused about how they didn't notice, like, everything coming out of the storage shed, though. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if you put it back maybe. before he left. The restaurant's manager told the Tampa Bay Times his goal was not to break in. His goal was just to hang out at the Chataway. Aww. Which I'm like, oh my God. That breaks my heart. I love it. It was a B-Y-O-R-N-P private dining situation. Bring your own ramen, <laughs> no pants. Which like invite me to any party like that and I'm in. Honestly, that sounds awesome. I'm going to send out that invitation like B-Y-O-R-N-P at my party and just see what people think that means. That's essentially what every night is at my house. Bring your own ramen, no pants. Literally me too. <laughs> if that, you want to come over, that's that's it. Those are the requirements. So what's happening here. <laughs> like have fun. Yeah. And the original burglar who ate the wings and beer, but also stole quite a bit of stuff. They never found him. Ah, oh. it's like, what? How that bums me out. Seven. At number seven this week is con artist Lee Howard Koenig. Koenig has basically made it his life to dupe people out of money. In 2007, he even had a three-year stint in jail for fraudulently collecting money. But it's a 2017 con job that we're going to talk about right now. That also involves the drummer from the band Nickelback. What? <laughs> yes. Nickelback? Yes. Okay. Let, let's get into this. Please do. In 2017, Nickelback only had one concert date in Florida that year, so like... Not high demand, I suppose. <laughs> and well, it seems like the band may be from Florida. They're actually from Canada, which this is just all facts. No shade. Here. I actually just, didn't know that I'm they were from Canada. Canada. They're, they're Canadian. 
but you can imagine the confusion when the band's drummer was thought to have ordered $25,000 of music equipment from a company in Austria, set to be delivered to a Port St. Lucie address in Florida. Oh, uh, yep. What's I, happening here? I can here? see why that's confusing. Now, can you guess who really lived at this address? I have no idea. Lee Howard Koenig. Ah, yeah. thank you for clearing that you're, up. You're welcome. I, I wanted to take away the suspense. On January 19th, 2017, police were contacted by a band security specialist. Never heard of these. Didn't know they existed. Me but there, either. There one was. According to an affidavit, the specialist reported that drummer Daniel Adair quote, had his identity used to fraudulently order drum parts from a company in Vienna, Austria. A business rep for the band called Adair to verify the purchase, because he was probably notified by the company. Adair was like, not me, (laughs) and called the security guy, and they looked into it. Koenig's home address was connected to the orders, so like, very smooth. Why would you not have those sent to like a random address? Very smooth. They do not make P.O. boxes for this at all, but okay, (laughs) sure. Um, As was his IP address from his home. Koenig had told the company he was Daniel Adair, (laughs) the Nickelback drummer, when he ordered. Which, okay, did he get a discount for that? No, probably not. What was the point? Of all of... And and why Nickelback? Maybe he had a personal vendetta against Nickelback. Because I feel like Nickelback is like a very random band to choose to do this They certainly are. And to even know like the names of the members, like that's a lot. Like you're very invested in this whole thing. Maybe they had like a song that he really hated and he was like, you know what? I need these these drumming equipments. I am Daniel Adair. I, I guess. That's what that was. I don't know. But the New York Daily News reported that Koenig actually ran a Facebook page under the name Mr. Wookie. Hmm. I wonder if he's into EDM. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. On the page, he claimed to be an award-winning session and touring drummer working for Sony and Epic. The Facebook page also stated that he worked with the Beach Boys, Billy Joel, and the Saturday Night Live band. Those are all just the randomest choices. <laughs> the largest variety of people I've like. And music. Wow. <laughs> like what? Just uh, from every part of the spectrum here. All angles. Also, as soon as you say the Beach Boys, I'm like, Charlie Manson? What? Crime? Crime? Charlie Manson? Jesse? What's happening? Jesse from Full House? Yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> worried about it he listed as one of his interests on the page people that are not trying to get a piece of me oh i wonder why he also didn't list britney spears then (laughs) right (laughs) i don't know i think lee just just start drumming lee yeah just take a drumming class just keep drumming (laughs) just keep like really drum stay off the internet stop stealing other people's things you want to work for Sony and Epic? You know, try to work for Sony and Epic. Just like, apply. Stop, stop lying. Yeah. Six. Also on our list at number six is Jose Bernardo Rosas Madrigal. Jose was a troubled young man, to say the least, and he was also in love. But like oil and water, passion and pain don't mix well. In 2017, this 19-year-old Florida teen allegedly set his girlfriend's house on fire and then claimed that a random black guy did it. And random black guy is in quotations. There is so much to unpack here. There's a lot. Please do it for me. (laughs) I shall. 
first. I'm not sure what was in the water in Florida in 2017, but three out of our first five crimes are in that year. Were you guys okay down there in 2017? Literally, what was happening? No, the answer is no, you were not. No. Whatever was going on, it included Jose being told by his girlfriend that she needed some space. Uh Uh-oh. They had been dating for about a year, but the girlfriend's father, James Scott, described Jose to the Daily Beast as controlling. That's not good. So that's probably why she needed some space. Yeah, take your space. The Daily Beast also reports that an arrest affidavit stated the girlfriend then received several Snapchat messages which had threats of burning down her home. Wow, that escalated very quickly. Uh, Yeah, and she also got snaps from an unknown account that were straight up death threats. Ah, delete Snapchat. Clearly, Jose had two Snap accounts. Seems like no one told Jose that breakups are hard, but uh, prison is harder. (laughs) That's very true. Well, the day after Thanksgiving that year, the threatening snap came to life and the Scott family's property was set on fire. That's horrifying. I know, right? James, the father, and his wife and the girlfriend were all in the house when Jose doused their Polk City home with lighter fluid and lit the flame. James says luckily his house avoided damages, but his yard went all up in flames. He said, we were very lucky. We caught it in time before it blew up. I thank God because God was on our side. If it would have gone like five or 10 more minutes, the car would have blew up. My house would have been on fire. He could have killed us. He was trying to kill an entire family. He, over a breakup. He would have too. He was literally attempting to murder an entire family. They really were so lucky. Over can I have space? Right, like it doesn't even sound like they broke up. She was just like, can I have a little space? Now here's a cute detail. Jose even used the lighter fluid to draw a heart on a fence near his girlfriend's bedroom window. Stop. True love. Wow. Jose told investigators that he was at his mother's house that night, but a neighbor surveillance footage showed otherwise. He tried to lie his way out, but it did not work. The cameras don't lie. Never. One final Florida moment for this teen, and one we witnessed earlier in the episode, it turns out Jose Googled how to burn the house down. Oh my God, guys. <laughs> Stop going to Google. You know what? Actually, continue doing that. Continue yeah, that's Googling true. before you do these things because it makes it easier to catch. Yeah, why are we giving <laughs> so, you advice? So like, my goodness. I can't. <laughs> the fact that multiple people have Googled how to commit these crimes before actually doing them. And the fact that 2017 was like quite a year for Florida. Why are there so many like of the same things? I know. It's like, I just, I don't get it. Like all the crimes themselves are very varied. Like eating chicken in a restaurant, playing naked bongos in a restaurant. That's not a crime. Wire fraud. (laughs) (laughs) It should be, but technically it is. And then burning down a house. That's a crime. somebody asked for space. Yeah, (laughs) Like, like what is going on? What's happening? What's happening, Florida? Will we find out in the rest of this countdown? I keep asking, but are you okay? I guess we'll see. I don't know. Hi there, it's Carter from ParCast. If you haven't had a chance to check out the riveting true crime series Solved Murders, there's no better time to tune in. Throughout the month of August, Solved Murders is featuring four celebrations that took a turn for the deadly in a special series we're calling Party Fowls. From a murder in the New York nightclub scene and the house party gone horribly wrong, to a terrifying evening at the Tate residence and a sex party with sinister results, 
Go deeper inside for affairs remembered for all the wrong reasons. And if you like what you hear with Party Fowls and want to uncover more of history's most captivating cases, be sure to follow Solved Murders on Spotify. There you'll find a new episode released every Wednesday. Solved Murders is a Spotify original from Parcast. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of Florida Man Crimes, part two. Starting off the second half of our list, Florida duo Derek Irving and John Silva. Derek and John had one thing in common. They both once dated the same man, and Misery loves company, so they teamed up to take out their revenge on their ex. The duo broke into the victim's house, stole some things, and then, here's the headline, they tried to use spaghetti sauce to start a fire. What? Yup. <laughs> sure did. Also, how dare they waste spaghetti right? sauce? I hope it was like... Put down that can of hunts. Yeah, no, not cool. So March 13th, 2018 in Deland, Florida, north of Orlando, our unnamed victim calls 911 after his security cameras were tripped and he saw a towel was thrown over one of them. Oh, no, no, no. Creepy. Like that is the strangers kind of thing. That's when I head out of there. So immediately this is sounding dark and scary. What was happening was two of the victim's exes, Derek Irving and John Silva, had broken into the home and were stealing a bunch of things, including a flat screen television, a window air conditioning unit, and a vacuum. (laughs) It was in a Dyson? (laughs) Those are expensive, right? I think they are, yeah. Yeah, they are, right? Decent goods for their home, I guess. Like, stick it to your ex, but be like real practical about it, I suppose. Maybe they were in need of all those things. Yeah, you got a vacuum, I suppose. As police arrived, they saw a red SUV leaving the area with Derek and John inside. Why would you ever have your getaway car be a red, red SUV? SUV. <laughs> That's like the like most prominent vehicle you could drive away. It might as well just be like a fire truck. <laughs> you <laughs> might as well just do like a like a Lamborghini and try to be like unsuspecting. Like have one of, like during the pandemic when they had all those birthday parades where like people would decorate <laughs> their cars. Yes. They should have just done that and been like, we just robbed this house. <laughs> That would have been great. They're all yelling out the window, playing music. Well, you know, they pulled them over, of course. And the men denied being a part of the burglary and told cops they were just picking up clothes from the home. Obviously, don't pay attention to all that stuff in the back. Yeah, it's totally fine. Apparently, they forgot that police officers also have eyeballs because (laughs) inside the SUV were, you know, the stolen items and also an empty spaghetti sauce jar. Um, we went to Target and then I got hungry. Okay. (laughs) I I got breadsticks. (laughs) Okay. Oh, yum. I know, that sounds great. Well, for extra Florida inexplicable weirdness, Derek Irving was also dressed in a bull costume. 
Because what? yes. <laughs> what? Because yes, you are a bull. Uh, what? Yep. A bull costume. Just exactly what you're thinking in Do you fit. think like the, the bull costume and like the red getaway car were like indicative of anything? And red spaghetti sauce? Yeah, like I don't know. I'm <laughs> just I'm looking for a theme. There was something happening here. I am I'm not really confusion. sure. Well, let's talk about the empty spaghetti sauce jar because that empty spaghetti sauce jar in the car was once filled with the sauce that was now on the lit stovetop back at the victim's home with a washcloth nearby. I love that they left a washcloth because I know even when I make a sauce and I'm not trying to burn it's my house down, spitting. it's everywhere. It's always spitting. You always have it everywhere. So that's smart. Okay. So maybe that's why they chose spaghetti sauce. They were frequent spaghetti eaters <laughs> and they know that the sauce bubbles and spits a lot. So eventually that's going to make a fire. fire. When Still a fire not- starts to burn. <laughs> I just love that they were like, let's get out a pot. Let's heat up some spaghetti sauce and let's leave the premises. I mean, I guess that could also look more accidental too. So like- It sure could. I'm not looking at them like they're such idiots anymore. But then you I did am. say that they were dressed in a bull <laughs> costume and driving a red getaway car. Yeah, so I'm, I take it back. I'm going to live in the world that this is just wild <laughs> in every way. Just live in Florida. Well, either way, when police got inside, the home was filled with smoke. Derek and John had clearly set it up to look like an accidental fire, like you said. Oh, I guessed it. Or as the victim said about Derek Irving, he was trying to make it look like I left the stove on, but who gets up at 2 a.m. and fixes Skeddy? Uh, me. And I also love that he said Skeddy. <laughs> I feel like everybody does, to be honest. Why wouldn't you? If you're going to eat Skeddy, you're going to do it at 2 a.m. You're going to do it whenever you dang well please. So I guess it wasn't that crazy of a plan. <laughs> it's possible Derek Irving was the most recent jilted ex, because the victim spoke only about him, saying, It started out as a relationship that lasted about a week. I've let him use my car for four months. Maybe he's angry about that? Or maybe he's angry because I gave him $150 to fix his teeth? Oh, sweetie. All of these things sound like things you wouldn't, you know? Okay. It, that just leads me to more questions. Like, why would he be so mad many questions. about that? I think he's, like, trying to point it out. Like, I did all this. I let him use my car. I fixed his teeth. Maybe he's just mad about that. My number one question you know? is still the bull costume. For what The purpose? bull costume is really, like, a primo part but of this whole why? thing. Not real sure. Um, but, yeah. Like, there's so many unanswered questions about this. Number one for sure, what you're saying, the bull costume. What? And also, was the other one in a costume? It doesn't sound like it. No, I think he was just chilling. Did he feel left out? No, I think he wasn't into that part did, of the plan. Did they talk about it ahead of time? No, he definitely just showed I'm, I'm answering this like I was oh, there, but he definitely just showed up and was like, let's get it. Let's do this. Let's get let's, it. Hey, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. do this. Let's go, girls. And did the other guy ask? Why are you wearing that? Or was he just Florida. like, let's get in the car. We're Florida men. Let's have one of us in costume. I just have a lot of questions. But both Derek Irving and John Silva were charged with unarmed burglary, grand theft, and arson. Let's write them in prison to get all the answers to these questions. <laughs> Tell me about the bull costume. If I was going to write any prisoner, it would be them. On it. <laughs> Four. Landing at number four this week is former paramedic of the year, Joshua Cologne. 
Joshua was a Polk County Fire Rescue Paramedic who was named Paramedic of the Year roughly two weeks before being arrested on 12 felony charges and four misdemeanors. Wow. Oh, how the mighty fall. <laughs> I was going to say, talk about highs and lows. <laughs> right? In January 2021, he allegedly forged documents to steal doses of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine for his supervisor. But the question is whether Joshua felt pressured by his boss or did he voluntarily commit the crime? Hmm. There's a bit of a pattern with Florida man crimes on this countdown. Most of them give themselves away by making some not so stealth moves, and Joshua is no exception. That's a very nice way of saying that. Yeah, so, not so, so stealth. Not so stealth. Like, like, just, that's, eh. that's being very kind. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Well, on January 6, 2021, Joshua was given 30 doses of the COVID 19 vaccine that were meant to go to his fellow first responders. Joshua later reported that he administered 28 of those vaccines and that two were tossed out, which often happened during the administering of the vaccines. Unused vaccines had to be tossed, so it wouldn't have seemed unusual. But Joshua retracted his initial report to say he had actually administered 27 vaccines and three were tossed out. Uh-oh. Red flags, but maybe... Math, math is hard. Maybe? Yeah, math is, ha- math is hard, Numbers, maybe. no one likes that. Maybe we still believe him, I don't know. Well, when he was asked to provide the documentation for it all, Joshua sent over the log of receipts, which stood at 23 on paper. None of those numbers are the same. Nope, none, not, <laughs> no, none of them. Not, not. None of them are the same. 28, 27... 26, 25, 24, 23. All different numbers. You're going to have to land on one. Well, so yeah, it started at 23 on paper, and then he only provided 21 completed vaccine screening and consent forms to match that log, meaning two forms were missing. Another different number. So (laughs) Joshua is now leading them to the fraud. (laughs) Yeah. He told the officials that he'd get those missing documents and then reported three more names of firefighters he said were recipients of the vaccine which still doesn't add up to any of the numbers on his forms. I don't understand how he's not seeing this. What is happening right now? (laughs) I don't know, Joshua. There's so many numbers and I'm so confused. Maybe that was his plan. Just confuse everybody because there's so many numbers being thrown here. I don't know. Everybody's like, I don't know what's happening. I think he might have been the one saying what you were just saying before. Yeah, I think so. so. There's so many numbers. What did I actually do? I have no idea. Well, during the investigation, two of those firefighters said they never received their doses. Oh, okay. And then the third name was someone who um never existed in the first place. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's the issue. Collective eye roll, everybody. Yeah. Needless to say, authorities paid a visit to Joshua Cologne and are like, WTF. <laughs> to which Joshua just straight up confessed everything. You have to at that point. I mean, yeah. You can't get out of this. No, you're done. He claimed his supervisor wanted him to steal three vials of the vaccine for the supervisor's mother. I actually remember hearing about this. I do this. too. I remember this. People Magazine reported that, quote, according to Joshua, he refused to provide those vaccines to the supervisor, at which time the supervisor said he would tell those higher up in the chain of command that Joshua was selling vaccines outside of work. Category is blackmail. (laughs) Like, what is happening here? Who's telling the truth? I don't know. There's a lot of criminal activity happening here in so many levels. There truly is. So it's like a rotten onion. It really is. And here's more. Joshua also claimed that he later noticed those vials missing, but never questioned his supervisor about them or reported this incident to anyone within Polk County Fire Rescue. 
Well, if that's the truth, then that's really not smart to do because it's going to fall back on you. Yeah, and it's like, Report you that. literally used to save lives for a living. Like You got an award for it. You didn't notice those vials were missing? You were the lifesaver of the year. I am Gosh confused. darn it. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Now, deputies recovered two of the vaccines in the supervisor's car, and that supervisor was also arrested. Yeah, you're in trouble now. You're in trouble. As for Joshua Cologne, his charges included forgery, falsifying medical records, criminal use of personal identity, and official misconduct. And also an F in arithmetic. Seriously. <laughs> Maybe he'll be named Inmate of the Year. Three. Number three on our countdown of Florida Man Crimes Part 2 is soup truck hijacker Diaz Acosta. The judge in this case called the facts very unusual, not because the crime begins with a stolen tractor trailer, but because it was hauling items collectively valued at $350,000, with a huge portion of that being Campbell's soup. I thought they, like, really upcharged soup. <laughs> just, just so much soup. All of the soup. Just so much soup. So we're revisiting Polk County, as we already have in this countdown on a few occasions. Are you okay there? I just got <laughs> I'm going to ask one more time. Is it 2017? But this time, we're jumping back to 2013, Aww. when Florida Highway Patrol received a report of a stolen tractor trailer out of the county. The good news is the truck has GPS and is easily tracked down and stopped. The tractor trailer is being driven by Diaz Acosta, who stays in his seat as police pull him over, but he also had a passenger. According to Acosta's arrest report, a quote, black male wearing a blue hooded sweatshirt left the trailer, jumped over the concrete barrier wall and escaped. It also stated that Acosta claimed he met the man named Pepe a week before, and Pepe paid him to drive the truck. And that's all he knows. Sure, Jim. <laughs> sure, Jim. That's all I know. Pepe's like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah, he said, he's just, you know what? That's all I know. I'm just, I mean, here I am just driving the car. This, this is all that I know. All I know is I'm driving. That's it. Don't know. Here's where it gets unusual, as the judge said. Um, I feel like it's already unusual, but okay. It's pretty unusual. The total value of everything in this tractor trailer was, like we said, $350,000. Mm-hmm. But $75,000 of that was the soup. Wow. $75,000 worth of soup. I can't even picture, you know when it's like those games in elementary school and they're yeah. like, guess how many jelly beans? Nope. How much soup is that? And how much grilled cheese do you need to go with that soup? Oh, I want to picture that. what I need That's to something know. I'd love to picture. I would love some of that right now, actually. But I need to, was this like, did they want to steal a soup truck? Was that something that they like went for? Or did they just, did they know that this was carrying $350,000 worth of stuff or did they just luck out with that? How would you know that? Because like realistically, if I saw a soup truck, I'd just be like, oh, there's some soup in there. Like not $75,000 worth of soup. What's well, like, did, did they see the back open at one point when he was like unloading things or something? You see a, 
a ton of soup and you're just like wow and ching. well you get the idea that you're gonna sell that soup and make seventy five thousand dollars i don't know or did they just want the truck what was the goal here if you thought you were gonna sell seventy five thousand dollars worth of soup you might as well just play the lottery like, you might as well those are your chances i just need to know if somebody looked at a ton of soup and was like cash cash money money that's a cash cow right there baby <laughs> gotta know well, Acosta was charged with grand theft of cargo worth $50,000 or more and grand theft of a motor vehicle. Also, in his, it's so sad, in his mugshot, he looks so defeated and embarrassed. Wait, let me see. Look at him. Oh my God, he really does. Like, this is a story that you, like, don't tell in jail. You're not, what are you in for? Let me tell you a story. I would tell Come everyone up with I knew. something else. I would tell. He does. In his photo, though, he's just like, man. Like, that is the photo that you see next to the word man. Man. His face (laughs) tells me that he didn't know what he was getting into. He really didn't He's like, well, crud. (laughs) Poor Diaz. I know. I don't know. I just don't know what to believe about that one, but maybe he didn't know. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just didn't know. The last two left me with a lot of questions. So many questions and no answers. Yeah, like your last two, I mean. Yeah, because I gotta know about that bull costume. I gotta know the reason for it. I gotta know if he just showed up and said, let's go wearing it. And I need to know if somebody acknowledged it during the trip. I need to know all of it. (laughs) And I need to know (laughs) about the soup. Was it hot? Did it come with the the big gold septum ring? I need to know. I don't, yeah, we need to look a little more into this, I guess. I also need to look a little more into, I would also write this man to find out about the soup. Right? We got a lot of questions. I have a lot of letters to write. Let me tell you though, we're coming up on number one and it's going to take you for a ride. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of Florida Man Crimes Part 2. At number two is Ronald Rose, the funeral time burglar. Ooh, is he related to anyone on Schitt's Creek, I wonder? I have to wonder. (laughs) Are you part of those roses? (laughs) Ronald comes to us from Central Florida, where he allegedly carried out at least 10 burglaries in broad daylight. How'd he do it? He targeted homes where he knew the occupants would be at a funeral. That is so specific. Like, so dark. What? And so weird. The weirdest. (laughs) And the meanest. That's very dark. Now, you don't have to be a dumb criminal to be on this list. You can also be the lowest of the low to make it onto this countdown. Yeah, that'll do it. Enter Ronald Rose. Now, between October 1st, 2020 and February 8th, 2021, Ronald would check out the local obituaries in different cities around Polk County. Stop. Polk County, like, really showed up today. Yeah, you really came. You came with your colors flying. You really did. You really did. Ronald would see what time the funerals were taking place and then pay a visit to the homes of either the recently departed, (gasps) their families, knowing they'd be at the services, T-R-A-S-H spells trash kids. Oh, garbage. He's not even, he doesn't even get that title. the highest order. You're not garbage, you're garbage. Like, wow. That's a dumpster fire. Imagine the kind of person that has to sit there one day and conjure 
this plan up. He's like highlighting obituaries. Has to sit there and think, hmm, what would be the easiest way to go steal stuff from people that is, belongs to other people that I shouldn't be stealing? In the first huh. place. How can I do that easily? Oh, right. People die all the time and those people will grieve them, the people who loved them. And everyone so will not I just be break home. into their house. Yeah. While you know. they're grieving their recent love. Like, that sounds like a good plan. Yeah, totally. I think that's a great idea. Your heart has to be so rotten and just what falling is, apart in your chest. What is the Grinch's heart? Like, seven times too small or yeah, something? This guy is, is like worse. 70 times too small. He literally broke into the homes and stole jewelry, watches, money, and firearms. Basically, if it was valuable, he'd snatch it. So now they're coming home from grieving and their worlds are falling apart or yep. changed drastically. Mm -hmm. And now they're dealing also with a home invasion yeah. and stolen goods. Yeah, Good. it's really Good. great That's of nice. to do. That's nice. In a news release posted by the Polk County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Grady Judd said, people who burglarize or steal are low. So victimizing people during a time when they are grieving the loss of a loved one, that's lower than low. Yeah. Someone who is willing to take advantage of people at a time like this has no compassion or consideration and is a true menace to society. Yeah, I was going to say if he's willing to do this and has that zero humanity like, in what him, aren't you he's a scary to do? person and that could escalate into something else. Absolutely. And also like drop the mic, Sheriff Judd. Right? Judd is here. Here. He's here. Did everyone see him come in? He's here. Salute that man. Thank you, Judd. Well, after he was arrested, Ronald was charged with a mix of felonies and misdemeanors, including two counts of armed burglary, eight counts of burglary on an unoccupied dwelling, grand theft between $20,000 and $100,000, eight counts of grand theft from a dwelling, seven counts of grand theft of a firearm, and petty theft. Did they also charge him with being a poop? Yes. Okay. That, there was five counts of that, okay, actually. Good. Five counts of being a real turd. Seriously. And grand theft between 20K and 100K means he got away with a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. can you imagine all, like, where's he putting all this stuff? What's he doing with it? Seriously. Like, do you think he's selling it or do you, like, probably? It's ridiculous. I bet he's selling it. Well, between searches of his home and the cars he used, police even discovered items that hadn't been reported stolen yet. So they didn't even realize they were gone. Nope, didn't wow. even know yet. Now, he confessed to one of the robberies, but authorities were able to match the belongings of things they found in their searches of his home and vehicles to other robberies. Don't be shocked. Ronald Rose's prior criminal history consists of six felony charges and 15 misdemeanor charges, including arrests for... <clears throat> burglaries, battery, theft, criminal mischief, resisting, drug possessions, and numerous violations of probation. I think this was probably the biggest violation of probation. I would say so. And you know one thing that he's actually not charged with? What? Being a classy human being. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 Florida man crimes, part two. Convicted killers, Robert Mackey and Paul Truccio. Mackey and Truccio give a sinister twist to the Florida man headline and are quite easily the most frustrating criminals on this countdown. After murdering Lorraine Hatsikorzian and throwing her head into the Everglades, they prayed to the alligator gods for help, but still went to prison. 
They also won't reveal the full truth of what happened or the location of the rest of Lorraine's body. I hate when murderers will do that. It's just like tormenting the family one step further. It's such a different level of evil. It really is. It really is. And alligator gods, what is happening right now? So at this point in time, the family and detectives just want to find Lorraine's body and lay her fully to rest once and for all. Which is not a lot to ask. Nope, not at all. The two men who would help answer that question, Robert Mackey and Paul Truccio, are sitting in prison maintaining their innocence and overall just being annoying with their tactics. Mm. So April 28th, 2007, Lorraine Hatsikorzian's head was found floating in a plastic bag in a canal off Alligator Alley in Western Broward County, which is what we've all heard called the Everglades. No other parts of her were found. That's so sad. And at the time, police had no positive ID on even who she was. Oh, man. Since it was only her head found that day, and no one knew where the actual murder even took place, Broward County had jurisdiction at the time. Okay. One of the biggest and only pieces of evidence they had was that plastic bag. It was from the now-defunct grocery store Wald Bombs, which was which was only located in Long Island, New York. Mm, that's weird. That's and quite a ways away. Right? But investigators still didn't know if that meant she was killed in Long Island or in Florida. Then a break came their way a couple months later. Aha. So according to the police report, on July 18th, 2007, a man named Douglas Stein walked into the Port Orange Police Department in Florida. Doug had two roommates, Robert Mackey and Paul Truccio. Doug said these two roommates had bragged about killing a woman and dumping her body parts. Not an okay flex. Why does this happen? Like, why do people, like, brag about these things? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because I'm like, you know that that's illegal and, like, terrible, The weirdest flex I've ever heard in my life. He also told police his roommates had gotten rid of a New York license plate that they took off a blue pickup truck, which he witnessed them cleaning thoroughly with bleach. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Let's just start launching them. Yeah, I've never seen anyone clean their car excessively with bleach. And also at this point, it's like, why did it take you so long to report this, Doug? Yeah, that's that's annoying. Doug. That should have all been like, this is a problem. Police. I mean, I will give it to him that like maybe he was scared of them, I guess. Yeah, but, but it's still, like, wow. you got to tell someone. Well, Doug pointed out where the license plate could be found. And on the same day, police did in fact find where he said it would be. They executed a search warrant on the residence he shared with Robert Mackey and Paul Truccio. The plates came back registered to Lorraine Hatsikorzian, who had been reported missing back in April. Oh my goodness. The search they conducted resulted in them finding tree trimming equipment that one of the men used for work, including various saws. Oh my God. I know. According to the local CBS station in Miami, Lorraine had last been seen leaving her home in New York with Truccio and Mackie. And at some point, Lorraine picked up a money order from Waldbaum's grocery store in Long Island. That was five days before she was reported missing. On August 7th, 2007, DNA results positively identified the human head as belonging to Lorraine. So police now knew their victim and they had their suspects. I want to know, like, did she know them? Like, like, what, that, like what happened? Right. Immediately you're like, wow, how did it get there? Right. 
There is no report as to why Lorraine got in the car with the men or what they were all doing that April when she disappeared. She did know them, but what were they doing that day? Like, no one has said, no That's, information comes out about it. Like, yeah. where were they going? Right. It's, and this, like, why, like, how did she know them? Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of questions with it. CBS in Miami reports that at some point there was a disagreement and Lorraine was bound, beaten unconscious and dismembered. And then her head was tossed into that canal. That's so terrible. I Which can't, is I just can't. Insane escalation. Like what happened there? Right. How did we get from point A to point B here? Well, Truccio and Mackie, according to their roommate, Doug, would pray to, quote, alligator gods using a small concrete alligator statue that alligators would eat the last piece of evidence tying them to the murders they committed. What? Praying to an alligator god, a small little statue of an alligator being like, please alligator gods, eat the bodies of our victims that we throw in this canal. That's like such a disturbing picture in your mind if you even just think of that. Somehow worse. Imagine like their roommate just coming home from work and they're praying to the alligator gods. You're like, what about murders you're like what i have to move out here's Did last you month's rent replace Bye. the toilet paper roll though i i wouldn't even concerned. be concerned i'd be out e5000 would be gone well doug and another roommate both testified to all of this in court against the two men good which is like there's another roommate i know i was like, like what was going on the jury found that Robert Mackey possibly didn't commit the murder but helped in hiding her remains and covering up the tracks Paul Truccio was sentenced to 30 years in prison after pleading no contest. Not enough. Right? That's what I'm saying. So I know we mentioned earlier that they were being like super annoying. Yeah. Let's get into that. Paul Truccio contested that plea, saying he was off his psychiatric medicine when he was told to plead that way. Okay. During that same hearing, he also hinted that the murder took place outside of Florida which would change the jurisdiction to wherever it did in fact take place. Oh, and that would get so messy. Essentially, he's trying to vacate his conviction in Florida, but that would also mean confessing to the crime, which he hasn't done. And it's like, do you think that you're just going to get off scot-free if it happened somewhere else? Like, no, you're an idiot. But in 2018, Truccio contacted a local news team in New York with a map of where to find the rest of the victim's body, in Long Island. Okay. So the area was searched, but there's no reports or evidence that the rest of the body was ever found. Oh no. As for his motivation to at least get out of jail in Florida, Lorraine's niece told the local NBC station in New York back in 2018, quote, he always thinks he's going to beat everything, but he's the one sitting in jail. Yeah. Give the family closure. Right, like, it's like, you're not going to get out of there. You're not going anywhere, so just tell them. I just don't understand, like, the thought process behind that. I mean, here we are on this list, but it's like, either way you committed a murder, it doesn't matter where you did it. Exactly, just say what happened here, say where the rest of Lorraine is, like, what are you doing? It's just because they like to torture the family. It's more victims for them. And then you have to wonder, like... What the happened? alligators roll like did that happen yeah That's like what so is going on terrible that's such a sad case wow that's definitely number one i would say yeah i would i, I would, would definitely, definitely put that right there i don't think anything else was uh 
earning of that spot or deserving of that spot. I don't think anything even came close to earning that spot. I feel like it's so true what we said in the beginning. Like this was going to be so chaotic. Like chaotic energy. None of these, not a single number had a rhyme or a reason to the crime that was committed. And every single one of them at the end were like, but wait a minute. But why? Here's my 15 follow-up questions that right? no one's ever going to answer. And that bothers me. The chaos is real in Florida. I meant it when I said chaotic energy down there. You really did. That was <laughs> the best way to describe it. I can't think of anything right now that was left off, but I'm really hoping we get to do a third installment of this. I was going to say, if we don't, then trilogy it is. Let's go. Let's do this. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other ParCast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, you can follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or you can follow us on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And keep it weird until next Monday. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by J.K. Heo. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash and Alina Urquhart. Hi, listeners, it's Carter. Here's a quick reminder to check out the Solved Murders four-part special Party Fouls. Every Wednesday in August, take a closer look at four celebrations that ended in horrific fashion. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Solved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.